Episode 12, Living and Leading Through Grief. For anyone who is going through the process of grief right now, trying to support a friend or family member, or trying to lead or manage someone through grief, or if you want to allow your business to allow your employees to experience grief and feel safe and looked after during that process, this episode is for you. So hello, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm super excited today. I'm here with Gemma and we're going to be talking about grief, which is possibly not something that we should get excited about, but I think it's a really great topic to be talking about. It's something that we often are really uncomfortable discussing and I think it's a brilliant conversation to be having right now. So I was wondering if you could just introduce yourself a little bit before we go into some of the questions we have lined up and talking about that. Sure. So yes, I'm Gemma Bullivant. I am an HR coach and consultant. And one of the areas that I specialize in is grief and change, significant change. Um, I come from an HR background um, and have been coaching for the last five years. But I suppose my HR background sort of underpins what I what I how I then became a coach. Uh, whilst I was in-house, I experienced a traumatic loss myself. I was in a senior leadership role as the head of HR in a, a busy, busy company. Um, and I found then that my employer really wanted to help me, but just didn't know how. And at the same time, my own personal experience just taught me an awful lot about the things that I wanted and perhaps didn't want as part of my own sort of bereavement experience. Um, um, but one of the things that obviously happened that happens to so many people is that I had to get back to my job really quickly and get on with life really quickly whilst in the grip of this kind of awful experience of grief. And I discovered coaching during that time as a really viable option. So I think often we think that grief is about therapy and counselling and it absolutely can be and that's absolutely um, viable for many people. But one of the things I learned in my experience was actually there's a whole different range of ways that you can support yourself and support other people with grief. And there is absolutely a place for coaching within that. So I trained in grief and loss as part of my coaching qualification. I sort of added some additional expertise at that time. Um, and I now use that as to sort of inform my coaching. And I work with clients across a wide range of different kind of grief experiences, change experiences, and help companies and individuals to really understand what grief is, how we, you know, how it, how it, how it, presents itself to us, um, how we can be impacted by it, and, and and importantly, how we can sort of help ourselves and others with it. So, you know, I'm really excited to be here and talking to you about what is actually, as you say, an incredibly difficult topic, but one that I think we need to sort of try and get a bit more used to talking about. Mm, definitely. So thank you for sharing that, because already it sounds like quite a challenging story that's led you to this place of helping others um and I think I'd like to just kind of lead with like we've discussed that there's lots of different ways of experiencing grief and loss 
And in this episode, particularly, we're talking about losing a person, about bereavement, rather than loss of job role or loss of identity, which we can talk about in another podcast. Mm. Um, And I think maybe we might add it with, because I think we discussed this, that I have also experienced loss of not one, but two dads, because I was quite greedy, I had two, and recently of my grandmother. So for anybody who's listening, who's experienced recent loss, our hearts go out to you. Um, if you do need any additional support or help, we'll put links in the show notes. If any of this is kind of triggering or upsetting for you, please do reach out to us, and we're very happy to sort of do what we can or refer you on and make sure you've got that support. So I guess, you know, go into listening to this and the full knowledge that we will be talking about some fairly deep subjects. And if that's very raw for you right now, that might not be the time to be listening to this. It might be, it might be ideal. And so, yeah. So, yeah. So thank you. Um, I think what you've mentioned now, I, I found really challenging as well. I had a workplace who were brilliant. Um, they said, just take the time that you need, which is wonderful, right? It's what you want to hear. But when you're conscientious and you're working, you're thinking, but how long is is mm-hmm. too long? Because um, my understanding is that what we are legally entitled to is very little. Mm. Absolutely. And um, the CIPD, which is the organisation that sort of works across the HR profession, is petitioning for the sort of the statutory time to be increased. Um, and of course, I support that 100%. Um, but even when it, even as and when that does get increased, it just isn't enough. I mean, it's not. Your know, grief has a very, very long tail. Um, and so, what I do is really sort of help people kind of understand, or help help organisations understand that it's a it's a long term support program that you need. Mm-hmm. And I recommend um, something that kind of basically boils down to sort of three steps. You've got that immediate crisis support it has it has just happened the person has just experienced something incredibly traumatic what do they need in those first days and weeks what's going to really help them and one thing of course is take the time you need that 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 phrase you know if if a company or a manager can possibly support something that is longer than the statutory, I can guarantee that's going to be of use and very well received. Um, So if that person can feel completely supported that don't worry about work, don't worry about kind of, you know, what you need to sort of think about from a work perspective, take take some time and we will support you in that time. That's the immediate crisis support. Then there's a sort of a second bit, which is adjustment support. So at some stage, you need to come back to work. And the chances are it's going to be after, well, it could be three days because that's the statutory time. It could be three weeks if, if an employer is feeling pretty generous. Often it's not any longer than three weeks. And, you know, three weeks is is considered to be very generous. So what do you do when you are still in the grip of grief, but three weeks into it, you have to go back to work? How do you manage that? How do you support that? Um, so, you know, one of the things that I do is coach people who have to make that transition back to work and actually kind of, you know, think about things that they might want to consider whilst acknowledging that they are grieving. Mm. It's not over at that point. It's really only very, very at the beginning of of what the experience is. Mm. And then the third stage is 
the sort of the longer term support. So recognizing that grief um, and, and bereavement as we're talking about today has a significant impact on our on our mental health and well-being. And most people recover, you know, very, very well over the course of time and with the right kind of support. But at the same time, we need to almost integrate that support with wider health, mental health and well-being initiatives and make sure that the whole thing is actually an integrated support framework rather than something that's quite isolated. So it almost transitions you from it being bereavement support to being uh, mental health resilience, well-being support with the context of bereavement being something that's really relevant to you, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think we might move on in a minute to sort of like what managers can do or friends can do to support the yeah. conversations are really hard to have. And I don't know about you, but when I first time this happened to me, it was my mum's partner who was like a dad to me. Um, it was very sudden. It was also whilst I was buying a house and the exchange had just gone through. So there was a lot going on. And my, my dad was sick at the time as well. And I just didn't know I didn't really know what was going on for me, let alone be able to communicate that. Um, you know, I had time off, but it was at a very busy period in work and coming back, like I was at a point where I was like, well, I don't really want to be sitting around the house anymore because I've done the paperwork, I've done the sorting out all the things you sort out, the funeral, the what he, is he going to wear, the getting a death certificate, notifying the solicitor, notifying like all of these things. And thankfully I had family helping me with that, um, which is enough all in itself. But once that's done, you're like, right, well, I don't really have anything to do besides stare at these walls and realise I've lost a dad. Um, you know, and my mum my did a lot of the paperwork then to support my family, that kind of thing. But um, it's, how do you even start talking about that in the workplace? What I found was people came in and I went into work and they were understanding, but oh my gosh, people, I saw fear in people's eyes. Mm. They did not know how to talk to me and I didn't know how to communicate what I needed. I didn't even know how to communicate what was going on for me. I wasn't mm. even really that sure. So what advice do you have for expressing our grief and communicating our needs mm. generally and particularly going into the workplace? Yeah. Um, so one of the things I, I advise is to actually take some time to think about what you're going to need and want. Um, you know, to put some time to sort of really prepare that almost a bit like a sort of a communications plan, if you like, you know, if that's something that kind of, you know, means something to you, but who are going to be the people that you interact with the most? What's going to be the sort of the messaging that you want to give? What kind of support do you feel you're going to need from various people? Are there people at work, for instance, who might be, you might think are kind of more, um, close advocates or people that you you naturally are going to sort of feel are going to offer you a bit more support than others could could you have somebody who's a bit of a buddy who actually does a little bit of that communicating on your behalf you know could you is there somebody at work that could say would you would you mind if you kind of help me kind of just let people know how it is for me what's happened I don't want to have to tell the story a hundred times 
Or maybe you do want to tell the story a hundred times. Maybe that is helpful to you. So really think about what is going to work for you and how you want to approach that communication. And the other thing I advise is to is to own it if you possibly can. One of the horrible, horrible things about grief is you just feel a complete loss of control. Something has happened that you've had no control over and you know it's 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 something that you are a significant change that you're having to adjust to very suddenly and without you know without your say basically so sometimes people find it really helpful to sort of say okay i am going to take a bit of control here this is going to be something that i want to to manage in some way and if that's the case who who is it that can help you if that's the way that you want to do it who can you how can you approach those conversations think about who you're going to need to interact with. They're your work colleagues, there's your your manager, possibly your team, if you manage a team. Are there clients? Are there suppliers? Are there people in that kind of work context that you know you are going to be interacting with? What do they already know? And what are they, you know, what do you want them to know? Um, and how do you want how do you want that to be communicated? who can help you with that communication and then you know figuring out a little bit of a sort of um, a plan as to how you want to manage that so that's the first step really is really sort of trying to prepare for that communication which is usually the the, the most difficult it's almost take some time out and like <laughs> strategize it but yeah sometimes you can like almost give yourself a little bit of control back rather than being worried what others will think or say but say yeah abso- absolutely and and that's at a sort of a, a macro level and then at a sort of a day-to-day level you know do do you want to talk about the person who has died or not mm. some people do and some people don't for some people, it's far too difficult and they want to square it away and not be in the workplace. And if that's the case, fine. That's that's what works for you. Other people do and actually get really frustrated when people avoid the topic because people will naturally avoid the topic because they don't want you know, to cause hurt and concern and, and sadness and so on. They don't want to say the wrong thing. So the natural thing will be that people will avoid it. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to talk about it, you're as difficult as it is, you're going to have to tell people yeah. that you want to talk about it. So you almost need to have as part of your kind of comms strategy planning, you need to also think about, do I want to talk about what has happened or not? Are there people I want to talk to about it and people I don't, you know, thinking about that and then how am I going to actually kind of just make sure that that's clear with people and encourage people, if I do want to talk about it, encourage people to talk about it and just sort of give them the steer that it's helpful to you and you want to and that's part, you know, that's, it's okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay to talk about, about it. Thank you. I think for me, like, I've usually talked about uncomfortable things and I'm very blessed with friends who just kind of came around and were like, what do you need? <laughs> and I had one friend who just phoned me like the first time I haven't phoned me. It's like, I'm going to call you every day. I'm going to tell you about my day and um, you don't have to say anything to me, but I'm going to stop when you ask me to stop and I'm just going to phone you. 
and that was like it still gets me now <laughs> you're just like oh you're so sweet because <laughs> I didn't I couldn't give anything at that point mm. but they gave me something which was just a little bit of normalcy a little bit of hey I'm here for you and if I wanted that was a forum for me to talk actually really nice hearing about a normal day like just yeah. and not having that big weight on you and things what I found challenging going back to work was whilst he'd been amazing about the amount of time and said, are you sure? Is this the right time to come back? I had said, it is because, you know, I just don't want to be rattling around the house being sad. Um, What I had really hoped for, that is a lot more challenge, I think, and I found with all of them is you are either off work or you are in work. And I found it really hard to get, can I come back but not do like super stressful, manic, full-on, extra long days no lunch break because yeah actually what I've noticed through having those three people pass away and they've each been very unique very different very different experiences I don't think we ever get used to it has been I know when like okay I'm all right emotionally I hurt of course I hurt there's someone gone um but I can function but I'm not functioning optimally. I'm not firing on full steam and I definitely shouldn't be going into like a 12 hour day with no lunch break and lots of demand. Mm. But getting that from the workplace, that almost phased return or that, can I tell you today is a good day and I can do a full day. And then when I come in tomorrow, it might be something I see or read at lunchtime that actually makes that not such a good day. Uh, That's kind of a, a less functioning day. And, um, I need to understand that I might need to go home a bit early that day. Like that I found really hard to ask for and really hard for people to understand. Absolutely. And that sits squarely in the adjustment part that I described, you know, crisis adjustment and then long-term. The adjustment part is figuring out how you want to communicate so the sort of the very first few days but also the the slightly the slightly longer time that you need because physically it's exhausting grief is exhausting emotionally grief is exhausting it comes in waves it comes unexpectedly um you just can't it's like your brain like your neuronal pathways doesn't it like I've seen stuff on MRI scans am I right in thinking that but yeah yeah it has it's grief is physical and emotional and what we tend to do wrong with it is apply an intellectual lens to it I'm like let's science it it's fine let's science it let's try to understand it let's rationalize it let's explain what's going on we have this instant that's what we want to do we're cognitive beings and that's what we want the brain to take over and what that can do is completely disregard the importance of the emotional experience and the relevance of the physical experience. And the physical experience is very, very real. One of the things I do with clients is, is actually I use what I call a grief dimensions grid. I've created this grid specifically for this purpose um, and I'm happy to share a link to it. And it's basically, it's kind of helping you just first of all, sit down and go, okay, so how, have I phys- how am I physically responding to this experience? How am I emotionally responding? How is it affecting my behavior with other people? What my interactions with other people? What are people telling me? What what, what am I telling them? What are my behaviors? And also, what's society telling me? What's 
going on out there that's kind of, you know, helping me or not helping me? What have I been brought up to sort of think about in relation to this? And how is that actually now playing out in the experience that I have? And it's basically, it's a four, a, you know, a four box grid it, with those with those areas. And what it does is it just helps you kind of just go, okay, yeah, I ha- it has had a physical impact on me. I'm not sleeping well, or I'm not eating well, or I'm not feeling great. I've got no energy or, you know, all the different things that it might be. Some people get nausea, some people get all sorts of physical reactions. Lots of crying is obviously quite normal. I'm, I'm like a monster a lot of the time. Like I'm, I'm a crier, and I, yeah. I get like Clinton's cards that have good messages. <laughs> so other cards that's available, and so yeah, but absolutely. But but then equally, <laughs> equally, some people don't cry. And they think they're doing it wrong. And it's kind of like, well, you're not doing it wrong. This is you. This is your this is your experience. The only, you know, if you're not crying because you really are suppressing crying, then maybe that's something to explore. But some people cry more than others. That's okay. And I'm, I'm also like, I just boom my eyes out and then we're done. Like for now, that's it. It's out. Um, yeah. And I don't do that, actually. So I was on a training course just after my nana passed. I'd chosen to do it. Um, it, I'm so glad I did do it because there's a lot of mindset, a lot of spiritual stuff in there as well. Um, it was it was to learn how to teach people how to walk across fires. <laughs> wow! <laughs> but there was this one point where um, one of the sedators had shared a, a story about losing a lot of members of their family, and I just like I, there was just a thing in me, and I was just like, nope. And then we're supposed to go out and walk on this fire, and there were some really inspirational parts of it, but I had just it was just too much, too close, and it brought back mm. all of the deaths. Mm my nans mm. and I like I couldn't even cry I just felt my whole body like shaking mm. and you do that thing where you're like oh, I'm just going to go off to the bathroom so I said I'm fine i going back out and I was actually with some people that were holding space in an amazing way I was so grateful I was there because they all got it um they they didn't judge I didn't mm. feel less or weak or in you know any of these things for it and they could see something was going on for me and they allowed me the space to deal with it and then came to me when I had kind of signaled silently to them that now yeah. is the time to approach obviously in times of covid they couldn't hug me which is exactly what i needed to be just like eh. yeah um but yeah they they came and they talked to you know we somebody just like help my hands and wash hands and all of that mm. um and actually that was very powerful and just that, that expression you said of on the squid where you've got like the, the physical feeling of it it's like well I'm such a crier that I'd, I couldn't understand why I couldn't cry it was like it was almost too much to cry and then later that night I had a little cry and I was like oh, okay cool that's out now yeah it was but it was yeah I was just shaking and my whole body was shaking I couldn't stop it I mean this grid you you know that sounds like you would be putting physically shaking in that in that box as part of your sort of physical responses that somebody else might not have. I cried in a way I've never cried before. And I don't mean just the volume of it, but the type of crying. Mm. And I've never cried like that since. It was almost like to call it crying was just not actually the the right description it's just that we don't really have the right word for it that wailing that sobbing it was a cry that came from deep within my stomach the, almost I could feel it coming up from my stomach and I at, at some stage in, in you know in my in my um, grieving 
process, I actually physic I described the physical sensation to somebody that was helping me um, as a way of just sort of trying to understand it and again trying to take you know take it into the intellectual but actually kind of going you know this is this is happening to me in a physical level Mm -hmm. this experience is physical as well as emotional as well as cognitive and so on so that's why I've kind of developed this this idea of this sort of multi-dimension because it's important for us to recognize that we experience it in all of those different ways mm. and because that can just help us and it can help us to going back to your earlier um, points about kind of you know going back to work or kind of you know figuring out how to sort of navigate your job and how to sort of have the conversation about I need something a bit different in my working day sometimes having done this exercise is helpful because you can you can see it you can see that actually your grief experience is affecting your sleep or it's affecting your appetite, it's affecting your energy, it's affecting something very physical or whatever it might be. If you've actually sort of identified that for yourself and acknowledged it for yourself, actually, in some ways, um, that might help with that conversation in terms of actually kind of feeling a little bit more... Um, like it's valid that this is a, it's an experience that I am having and it's valid it's affecting me in a very very intense way and that's a valid response and so it's valid for me to want to have this conversation about how I need to sort of maybe reorganize my day for a period of time yeah I love that use of the word valid because Although I'm okay with expressing my emotions, there's this almost, sometimes I felt a pressure to almost be, I'm okay, I'm, I'm all right for everybody. And I think that can lead us to thinking we can't, like expressing those emotions is weakness, but actually I think it takes so much strength to acknowledge them and then mm. to be able to say, this is what I need. And actually that's okay. That's not because I'm weak. That's not because I'm struggling. It's because this is mm. a big event. And mm. And it needs acknowledging, and that's okay. Absolutely. There's a model, a grief model that I use a lot, I refer to a lot, and it's called the dual process model of grief. And it's effectively two sides. On one side, on the left hand side, is the is all the it's called the loss orientation. And it's basically the grief experience. It's the pain, it's the it's the emotions, it's all the things we've been talking about. It's it's the grief. And the right hand side is called restoration. And restoration is I call it, I basically sort of describe it as getting on with life. It's your day to day, but it's also a bit of, it's the distractions. It's the sort of the stepping away from grief. It's the sort of the protections that we put up in place to sort of, you know, almost not overwhelm ourselves with the grief. And what we do is we basically zigzag between these two. So when when people kind of talk about stages of grief and, and things like that, I, I, I think sometimes that can be misunderstood because actually what we're doing is we're zigzagging from loss to restoration, back to loss again to restoration. And this model works really well because it helps us to just understand that grief is an experience and it requires action. So when you're on the left-hand side, it's something is happening. 
But we can't be on the left-hand side all of the time, otherwise it's just utterly overwhelming and probably physically quite damaging. So we have to be on the right-hand side to help protect ourselves and almost dip into the left-hand side when we feel ready. Mm. But if we spend too much time on the right-hand side and we don't actually acknowledge that the left-hand side is there, the loss is happening, that's also not helpful. So I like this model because it just helps you sort of so many of my grief clients really, it's almost like a light bulb moment when I describe this because it sort of, it, it helps to describe the two, the two main sort of things that we sort of need to navigate and balance somehow and blend. But it also explains how we hurl ourselves from one side to the other. And sometimes it's involuntary and we're sent and sometimes we go there intentionally mm-hmm. and it's it's just useful to sort of say well was it okay for me to actually have fun at that party i'm supposed to be grieving yeah yeah you feel guilty about it you feel guilty about laughing or mm-hmm. having enjoy enjoying something or going on holiday and okay. having fun or something like that and actually yes it is okay because that's mm-hmm. that's you on the right hand side that's you in getting on with life it doesn't mean the left-hand side isn't there it's just that you're choosing to be on the right-hand side at the moment yeah. and equally equally when you get flung to the left-hand side mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're going backwards it just means it's time to be there yeah yeah does that make sense it does it totally makes sense and you know we're going to move on because we could talk about this forever but um mm. I, I think that's a really helpful idea because it's trying to explain to people as well like why three months down the line, I might have a bad day. Mm. And it's like, well, because today that's just what's happening. That's, I've seen, you know, like my mom's partner's minis. Like I walked into a shopping center and there was a whole display of minis and there were sheep around. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, yep, I'm gone. That's like, I'm right back there on that left yeah. side. It's yeah. just, it was, I was not expecting it. I was not ready for it. Um, and I needed to experience that for a minute before going back into what you call the right-hand side of practical to get on with life. And I think it's really hard for people in it to understand that. And I know my workplace didn't understand why three months down the line I said, actually, I need some time off now. And so well, you had time off when they died. They, they died like three months ago. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. there was so much dealing with stuff to do. Yeah, that uh, yeah absolutely. I dropped my shopping basket in the middle of a supermarket when a song came on in the supermarket that I'd chosen up for my mum's funeral. Oh, no. You know, it just hits you. It hits you from absolutely nowhere. And I was, uh, you know, I was, I couldn't, I just couldn't carry on shopping. Uh, but also I, I couldn't do anything other than just leave. Yeah. So to anybody out looking at me, I must have looked like a loon because I was just sort of suddenly like the, the song comes on and the shopping basket just gets dropped and out I go in floods of tears. And it's kind of, well, that's just my experience, you know, and that's what happens. That's me being flung to the left-hand side when I was going about, you know, daily stuff. And that can happen at any point. It, like you say, it could be three months, it could be three days, it could be six months, it could be further down the track. You know, triggers happen all the time. They just do get less and less intense. That is something that does. I think you kind of, it's weird. You kind of get used to them. You're like, you know, they're going to happen. You're like, okay, we know how to manage that. And um, I know what's best for me in that moment and I know how to yeah. communicate it. And I guess you get used to that comms plan that you were talking about, that way of saying, this is what I need in this moment here. Now, please, please accept that. 
So I think the next bit for me is, despite having gone through what I would say is quite a lot of loss in the last few years, I am horrendous at knowing what to say when mm-hmm. someone else is experiencing it. Like I get that awkwardness and then yeah. I end up going very practical or almost too jokey, like I, like in a bad way. And then I'm sat there going, oh my gosh, like I know this isn't, I know from having experienced it, this is not what they need, but I still can't think of how to help the person in work or in my personal life. So (laughs) how best do we comfort people? Absolutely. Well, okay. It, it is hard. I mean, I, 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 I do this stuff all the time. I write guidance and I help managers and I run workshops and talk about all of this and the do's and don'ts and tips and techniques. And then when I was in the situation a few months ago, um, having to text my sister-in-law after a family bereavement, I found myself completely incapable of, of writing the text. And yet I am somebody who can sort of sit here and, you know, run through a whole bunch of tips and techniques to say to you, it's incredibly difficult. One of the consequences of it being really difficult is that we end up saying nothing Mm -hmm. and that can be incredibly isolating. So it is really important to try and think of things that you would feel comfortable to say. And if you know you're going to encounter a you know, somebody who is grieving, try to be a little bit prepared for that so that you kind of have some things that you might want to say. The example that you gave earlier of your of your friend who literally just sort of almost said whatever it was that they said just made you feel like they were by your side. They weren't telling you what to do. They weren't offering advice necessarily. They were simply telling you that they are there and offering to be there at that time. And I think the best thing I can say to, to sort of guide, and I've got some tips as well as to what to sort of say, you know, things that are good to say and things that perhaps to avoid. But overarching all of that is when you're with somebody who is grieving your job isn't to make them feel better Mm. it's the natural tendency that we have is that we want to comfort we want to soothe we want to make somehow make that person feel better Um, that's not your job your job actually is to listen and be there that will probably make them feel better, but that's not the purpose. That isn't the purpose. If 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 I'm explaining myself well, we're 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 it's human nature for us to try and take the pain away, and actually, it might be that that person needs to experience the pain mm-hmm. and just wants someone with them whilst they're experiencing that pain. So it isn't necessarily about taking the pain away. It's not necessarily about making them feel better. If you can sort of remember that, it helps to inform some of the things that you might catch yourself almost saying before you say it. Yeah. So um, I, basically, I need to remember that it, however they want to deal with that is okay. And I'm not responsible for their pain or for healing it or taking it away. What I am responsible for is my words and my actions, right? Absolutely. Your words and your actions, letting that person know that you are there and that they can talk to you. So listening is one of the most important things that you can do 
to support a griever, um, not offering advice, listening to them. They want to talk. It's isolating and grievers want the opportunity to talk in their own time and in their own space. So it's not about kind of making them talk, but it's just about showing, showing up and being there regularly. That's, that's the important thing. But then there's some other things. I mean, obviously we, you know, we can, we, we can check in on how someone is feeling, but to your earlier point of I'm having a bad day, rather than saying, how are you? Say, how are you today? Let them kind of just give them a give them a sign that you recognize that they might be having a good day. They might be having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And how are you is such a overused. We say it as a throwaway. Always fine, don't we? And there's an acronym. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. So, but if you say, how are you feeling today? It almost kind of changes the question entirely by just adding the word today. Yeah. So that's that's one tip that I've got. Um, another tip is um, just trying to avoid anything that is that soothing, that don't cry, don't feel bad, things will get better. All of those things are, they're correct, but what they're doing is almost sort of trying to minimise what's being experienced there and then. So... It's trying as best you can be to be as okay as you can be with somebody if they are crying, rather than trying to stop them from crying, if that makes sense. And the only thing, the only thing I would add to that is you might be talking to somebody who's crying and you know, you know, you're at work and you know that they kind of feel they've got to go and sort themselves out and they actually want to stop crying. That's different. But if it's sort of almost your knee jerk reaction that somebody's crying, I need to find a way to stop this person from crying. It's like, you know, that's actually not your job. Your job is to, to be there while they cry. Mm -hmm. That's actually a much more powerful thing that you can do for them. Mm. if that feels appropriate to do in that moment okay and you touched on colleagues there so I think like friends is one thing colleagues is another and it's hard to know again like how do you broach that subject you know recently I've worked with someone and they've lost a very close family member and they've not talked about it but Mm. we've seen the, the the diary scheduling going in for funerals for for scattering of ashes and you know I kind of opened the doors like I hope everything went okay as it can the other day and how are you doing I I shall add how are you doing today Hmm. um and I guess you know I wanted to allow space for them to talk about it um but if they don't then I, I need to let it go but if there is someone you think really does want to talk about it they're your work colleague and um, we can come on to what we do if they or line report um how how do you approach that because I feel that's a little different because there's that personal boundary isn't it there's like the work persona some people put on and then mm. the everything else and this is where grief doesn't allow you to stop being human in a workplace and I think it's something that's changing with COVID, but a lot of the time we we put a lot of masks on for work. Mm. I mean, a simple, it's a great question and a simple kind of way to think about it is to acknowledge that you don't actually know if they've got a strong support network or not. 
So what you could do is acknowledge that you perhaps not, you know, close friends outside of work. Um, but if you want to talk about it, know that I'm here. So almost sort of set, almost framing, sort of saying, look, I, I understand that we're not kind of, you know, social, you know, we don't see much of each other outside and we see each other at work. But if you want, if, if, if you do want somebody to talk to, I am here. That sort of almost then sort of says, you've, you've given them the signal that you are happy to listen to them. You will kind of, you know, you're available, you're available to support, um, but that you're not necessarily, you know that you're not like best of buddies because that might actually help them kind of go, yeah, I wouldn't mind talking to somebody who's just not, not been in the thick of it all. That would be really helpful to me. Actually, somebody who's a bit separate from it all, who hasn't perhaps been personally affected. That person might only have people in their circle who are grieving themselves too. Yeah. And that can be really difficult. So actually, it can be really useful to have somebody who isn't necessarily your closest friend, but for some reason, just becomes a bit of a uh, a support ally for you in in the work context. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's definitely reframed it in quite a nice way. So kind of almost allow them the space or open the door, and if they want to walk through it, they walk through it. Mm. So then that leads me on to like, that's one thing when you're the person in work, when you're operating with your friends, um, when you're operating with like colleagues, operating maybe a bit of a harsh term, but you know, you're interacting with those personalities. When you're leading a company or managing a team, and this has happened to one of your team members or it's happening within your company, is there anything we need to look at changing or offer in there that, it's very unique with that relationship between, you know, line report and manager. So how do you as a manager make sure you're offering your line report what they need or as a company owner, you're offering your employees what they need whilst uh, having practicalities of running a business, right? Because having people absolutely. go off unexpectedly whilst you can be really understanding can cause practical difficulties for you. Yeah. Um, really really challenging and obviously there's a whole bunch of different scenarios that might play out that might mean that it's a there's a different need but in principle if you are a manager and somebody in your team is is bereaved the best thing to do is to is to talk to them directly and ask them what they need mm -hmm. and see if that gives you enough guidance and, and ask them specifically about other things. So help them with this comms plan idea. You know, if they haven't actually thought about it, kind of help them create a bit of um, an approach that they want to take. So if they haven't had the benefit of a coach like me to sort of help them think that through, then take that approach yourself as, as, their, as their manager and take a coaching approach to that situation and sort of say, okay, so let's just have a think about the things that you are going to need to, uh, who are you going to need to talk to? Um, how is it going to affect your kind of, you know, how do you want that communicated? What, what do you want from me to help in that? Do you want me to help communicate certain things? Do you want to be the one that does it? How do you want that to work? You know, those sorts of things, and like I said before, try to enable the person to have some control. Yeah. 
Mm. Now, it could... Yeah, go on. I like the questions you're asking because I I had somebody who really wanted to help me and they said, oh, just let me know anything you need. But that was almost like too big a question because mm. it was like, whereas if they'd gone, you know, do would you like people to be told or do you want to tell them yourself? Yeah. How would you like to manage that? That had been like a little enough question for me to go, actually, yeah, no, can you just tell them and that I'm okay talking about it? And then that removes a lot of pressure, but... I don't think you're always ready to think of those things, particularly if you've not had a coach like yourself to, mm. to prepare yourself for that conversation, to have your comms plan, as you put it. Yeah. Um, so I like asking those questions as a manager and kind of almost going, you know, perhaps these are the things you'd like to consider in your grief. Like, how would you like us to talk about it? What would you like people to know? What kind yes. of people, that kind of thing. So it's almost smaller questions for the person who's grieving. It is. It is. It's. It's. It's one of those things, isn't it? Where really, you, you, the, the awareness and the, and the management kind of training that can cover this sort of thing would make such a big difference. So imagine if you're in a situation where you've had some management development training and it has been emotionally intelligent enough to include topics like this mm. where you know you recognize that part of managing people is is helping people with this sort of scenario um and then having a bit of a kind of a framework that you can rely on that sort of says okay now I've got this awareness now that when you when you grieve this certain things happen I know it it happens I know I experience physical emotional cognitive you know I know all of this stuff because I've got that awareness because I've had some training in it and I know that some of the big things to think about are the that that adjustment phase communicating um managing energy managing resilience managing well-being and managing the kind of the unexpected nature of grief and how that's going to impact how I do my job so I can I can walk I can walk that person through some of that and actually as you say quite rightly help them sort of really think about things in a smaller in a smaller way Mm. big questions can be way too big for somebody who is overwhelmed with grief and smaller questions are much easier for people to navigate so break them down into smaller questions but still keep them as questions Mm -hmm. rather than being the rescuer take it down a notch and actually kind of go okay so shall we think first about who who you work with and you know who knows what and how we're going to sort of manage that then should we look at what you're doing then should we look at that but in each of those in each of those stages giving the control back to the person so tell me about how you want to run that meeting Mm -hmm. do you still want to run that meeting do you want us to sort of pause that for the next few weeks and then we'll have another one of these conversations to see whether you're ready to restart it those sorts of things are kind of you know let's just if it were me what would I need to think about? I'm not the one that's grieving here. They are. So let me kind of think about some of the things that they need to do. But then rather than come up with all of the answers, <clears throat> use that as the prompt to ask the questions. Yeah. So almost be very brave, have some, I guess, self-awareness as well with yeah. that and then allow that person space to lead in a weird way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And if you've experienced bereavement yourself, then obviously that can give you a greater awareness of 
what to think about. But just be careful if you've experienced a bereavement yourself that you don't assume that that person is experiencing what you experienced. Yeah. Use it to inform your approach, but not to sort of almost mirror what you would have found helpful. Sort of if that, that, I think that's really important. And I think in our in our bid to rescue people and make people feel better and soothe and support people, we can sometimes rush to try and have all the answers for that person before we've given them the space to actually kind of tell us what they need and what they want. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, I said it earlier, but every death I've experienced has been so different and have needed different things at different times yeah yeah I could totally echo that like even in yourself just because you've experienced it once it's a different person so yeah it be different like absolutely yeah um and I think that leads me on to what happens if you are the head of a company if you are managing a team and you're the person who's maybe needing a little bit of gentleness because you've just lost someone you've got a responsibility for other people for running your company. So how do you make sure that you get what you need and the team still have what they need as well? I think get a coach. (laughs) I would, (laughs) I would say that, but I think, you know, if you've got, if, if you're leading a company, you have got an awful amount of responsibility there. And, you know, you need to really think about how you can caretake that, um, with responsibility, uh, you know, and with sensitivity and recognizing, you know, the need for you to actually kind of operate on that right hand side of the model I described earlier, probably more than others, because you've got things that need to kind of, you've got wheels that need to turn in a, in a much more kind of um, time critical way. If you don't do the, if you don't do the kind of the, the the coach thing, the the answer still remains that you need to somehow get the support that you need to figure out what your approach is. You know, have a strategy. So, who is your t- who is your top team? Can you delegate things? Can you? How are you going to communicate to them what you need? Are you going to ask them to actually step up? Are you going to, what are there decisions that you no longer want to be involved in for a short period of time? Um, Is there somebody that's going to act as your deputy and actually one person is going to kind of be your be your decision maker how are you going to communicate to the company the company are all going to know that this has happened they're going to be looking at you so how are you going to actually kind of communicate to them in in the sort of with that with that backdrop so it is about having that comm strategy it is about having an approach it's about the sort of you know the mechanics of it all as well um and how are you going to get the support that you need? Mm. You can't just swim through it. Yeah, I think I'm mindful of like, whilst we can feel our responsibilities when we're leading others and we can want to be serving them so we put their needs first, I guess the thing that springs to mind is that if you are experiencing that, it's not selfish to take the time to have that deputy because, of course, people watch what you do and so if you want that culture of trust and understanding and connection yeah. within your company, 
what you do for yourself in this time is going to be so valuable because that's going to allow other people who will inevitably experience loss to understand that they can have that space too. Yeah, it's the put your own mask on first philosophy, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Um, And the importance of that. And I think there's no kind of science behind how long you need to spend on the left-hand side of this model I've been describing. But you do need to be there to process it. So the longer you avoid being there and, and in doing so kind of just try and soldier on and ignore it, the longer the grief will last. So that's not to say you you dive in and it completely immerse yourself on the left hand side either, and that speeds it up. There's there's a balance. There's a sort of a you know there's 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 definitely um, you know a bit of a balance there, but it could be that by taking a step back, getting the right support in place for a temporary kind of period of time, you actually work through it all more quickly than if you just try and keep keep paddling without any kind of you know um framework support framework around you um so it could actually be a great investment to do something a bit sooner for yourself in order to kind of get people through everybody through that with you yeah so it helps you helps everybody else and then it helps anybody that might experience similar in the future yeah so i think that kind of brings me on to like the last question in that this is all well and good in normal times we're still in COVID. I know there's a lot going on in the news. I know there's a lot of fear right now. And that's something I'm going to try and address in another podcast. But what I have noticed and what, you know, has been a challenge, must have been a challenge for so many people during this time. Is one, obviously, we are having more people die than normal, unfortunately. Um, and this has led to higher numbers of people grieving. But also that, that social support that you normally have. So I would normally hug a lot of people like physical contact for me in that way, the comfort is really important. I'm very lucky that I have bubbled with my mum and, you know, my partner's here, so I can have that contact. But even at the funeral, we're only allowed, and this is now, not at the beginning of lockdown when we didn't have things or if we go into another one, we're allowed two people sat next to each other Um, then there was this massive space around. We had to wear masks in the crematorium. We couldn't sing. We couldn't have the celebration that we wanted. We couldn't have the number of people that we wanted to celebrate that life. Mm. Mm. And I think if we're looking at how we process, you know, for us, we're grateful in an odd way. My nan had been ill quite a lot beforehand. So we had almost a backwards grieving. There was a very sudden shock when she first had a stroke. Mm. And then there's been other stages where we've experienced that grief and almost letting go of things and it's sort of almost a peaceful send-off mm-hmm. in the last few weeks and of course there's sadness in with that if that had been one of the other deaths that I've experienced I'm not sure I could be processing it in the way I did because I don't have the things that would help me get through this the mm-hmm. things that would help me experience that left side that grief and loss and work through it I almost be stuck in a limbo because you can't have that social contact and support mm. in the same way. Yeah. So what do you think companies can do to help with this to be more understanding, particularly in times of COVID when loss is happening, whether it's due to coronavirus or not, that might need to be in addition to what you would normally consider doing? Mm. Um, I think, you know, companies need to be very mindful of 
the impact more generally of grief on people and the things that people need. Um, and the impact of COVID on things that you've described, like, um, you know, funerals, um, not going, uh, not, not happening in the same way. Um, you know, people not being able to even spend time with, um, you know, such as el elderly relatives, um, can't even visit people. There's, those stories of um, uh, expectant mothers having to go to scans on their own and then, you know, their partners are waiting in the, you know, outside. They're not allowed in the room together, um, yeah, even, yeah. even though they live together. I, I, there are certain things about COVID that I just don't understand, you know, how that and, and, the, and the impact of that is, is phenomenal. So I think we need to really recognise that. And I'm not sure specifically what companies can do other than be mindful of it and offer the kind of support that they can. Um, I think there are things that we can certainly do that help ourselves in those situations. So if you can't go to a funeral or you can't have the funeral that you would have wanted, what can you do instead? Mm -hmm. um, what are the things that you need to do in order to sort of experience the, you know, something similar that gives you what you need to move mm -hmm. a little, a little step forward? My granddad died when I was living in New Zealand and I had, we knew he was, he was not great but he was fine but it was not great and I'd chosen to come back and visit and spend time and we had a little walk around the park and we you know had had a, a slice of cake together and so on and then three months later he died so I'd already done that really long haul trip and so I had a conversation with my mum at the time and sort of said look you know it's just I can't be there and it was awful it was an absolutely awful decision, but it's the most, it's the closest I've got from a personal level of what I, what I'm seeing is happening here at the moment in terms of funerals that you can't have in the way, in that way. I had a ceremony for him. Mm. Um, I had, you know, some people, some friends and none of my friends out there knew him. So I was on my own in the sense of actually having nobody that actually knew him. All they could, all they knew was me and the fact that it was, you know, a big, a big deal for me. But I chose to have a ceremony. I went to a concert for him. I, I did certain things for him. I chose to sort of just almost honor that process in a different way to say goodbye in my own way. And I, it, it's really, really difficult when you're in the grip of grief to even kind of try and get your head around that. But if you can, and if companies and managers and so on can help you sort of recognize that there might be other ways, there might be other things that you can do. Is there something that your colleagues can do to sort of help support you? Often there's charity events that start to happen, you know, to sort of honor somebody's life. Um, is there a way that you can sort of gather people's, um, you know, thoughts and, you know, condolences and what they want to say in a different way? All those sorts of things that you might just sort of throw into a ceremony. Instead, can you do something in a slightly different way? Does, yeah. that, does that? It does, because I think 
for me, my experience has been very much that part of our healing is the coming together. Mm. And of course, we can't do that. Not, not in the same way. Um, so I think, yeah, being, being mindful of that, knowing that, and then you yourself deciding how to, how to honour that person, how to say goodbye and, and have that closure, I think is really important. Yeah. And maybe that goes back to perhaps the company can't know what's best for you, but you need to have your comms plan and go, look, it's tough. And actually, because I haven't been able to attend the funeral or because we weren't there when that person was passed, unfortunately, mm. um, I'm going to need some more time. Mm. So I guess, and that's then when the company can say, or the, the you know, your, your manager, your leader can have that understanding and that grace to be able to say, okay, so let's talk about what we need. Let's look mm. at how we can provide that. And I suppose that means really it's got to be you're in a place ready to ask those questions and receive the answers and action them because it's no good asking, what do you need? This person saying, oh, I need three weeks off. You know, mm. I, I need to do half days for the next month. And you, you can't provide mm. it. You have no way of answering that. So mm. I suppose that's what you could do as a company is look at what you have in place. How do you flex um, and what support can you offer um, mm. and for the individual to be able to communicate their needs with your friends plan. Yeah. I mean, an important, absolutely. And an important question is always to ask what support they have mm-hmm. as well as what support they need. Just help the person really think about who they've got, who, who is, who is, who is helping them, who isn't helping them. How can they actually kind of manage that in their lives you know into you know it's always incredibly complicated and often you're surrounded by people who are also grieving the same person and and that's difficult it 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 it, it can be a very healing thing to have to to come together like you say and be together as a group but that can also have its challenges so you know <laughs> Yeah. it's a it's just about sort of saying okay so this is my situation these are my circumstances this is what I have to deal with what can I control what can I influence what can I choose to do how can I choose to do this differently what do I need and what would give me what I need and, and am I able to make that happen and sort of say look you know I can't do what I would automatically do so how am I going to figure this out to give me as as good as I can? A bit like the 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 what I described about 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 my granddad and just recognizing that I just couldn't afford the time or the money for another twenty six hour flight when I'd just done that three months earlier. I couldn't be there to say goodbye. I couldn't be there to support my mum who was devastated, you know, and I couldn't be there to support my grandmother who was devastated. And, uh, but it just, it just wasn't, I just couldn't make it happen. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had to really sit down and think, okay, so I can't make that happen. So what can I make happen? And what can I do that actually are some practical things that are, intentional you know make a positive um you know addition to how I'm processing this and and focus on what you can do rather than what you can't do powerful yeah look at what you can do I love that thank you and I think all of this is coming with a lot of self-awareness a lot of 
gentle understanding and holding space Mm. What of accepting people in whatever place they need to be right now, including accepting yourself. Very well put. <laughs> I was trying to summarize everything you were saying. Um, and I think, I, you know, like I said, I'm very glad for the experience I've recently had of people holding that space powerfully. And it was so much what you were saying. They weren't trying to make me feel better. They weren't trying to take the pain away. They weren't trying to be responsible for it. They just allowed me to be. Hmm. communicate what I needed and that's actually quite a hard skill to learn it is it's walking side by side it's not pulling somebody and it's not pushing somebody it's being by their side Hmm. well there's so much in there thank you so much I have a feeling we may ask you on to have another conversation about then you know identity and loss and this kind of thing Um, but if people do want to get hold of you if there's individuals that would like some coaching or if there are leaders who'd like to bring this kind of awareness training to their teams or to their companies or possibly even offer you as someone that their staff could go to because I'm guessing that's another thing you can do right if you're not in a place to give that coaching perhaps companies could get you or someone like you absolutely yeah absolutely yeah Um, so my website is um gemmabullivant.co.uk um i'll make sure that's in the show notes so you've got the link to that and there's lots of information on there around kind of the sorts of things sorts of support that i offer um in this Mm -hmm. in this area the coaching that i offer i'm always open to inquiries and questions um and you know ideas for how we can sort of help people in this area thank you thank you so much so that's a lot to take in and we've gone quite long on this episode because i think it's such an important topic to talk about obviously i have my own biases that are going on for me right now but i have to say whether you are somebody going through grief right now whether you are somebody trying to support somebody going through grief in a friendship capacity in a leadership capacity in a business capacity whatever it is ultimately we are human beings and we experience grief and loss very uniquely very deeply and in our own ways and when we remember that that we are human first and foremost how to behave becomes much easier when we take off that responsibility as Gemma was saying it means that we can have good easy communications and not feel that we need to fix things for people but simply hold space and allow them to be and if that's the one thing you take from this I hope you can bring that into your day-to-day into your life and into your business I hope if you have experienced grief and loss recently or in the past that you find the healing that you need and this message goes out to you with love. Go lead your life because it is precious and we need to hold on to it.